welcome to episode six of Turning Tracks. My name is Matt. And I'm Chris. And we're here to talk about the music we love. For today's episode, we're going to be talking about the music of a man whose career spans nearly 50 years, and his catalog has made him something of an American folk hero. Don't take your guns to town, son. Leave your guns at home, Bill, because on today's episode, we're talking about the music of Johnny Cash. I fell into a burning ring of fire. I went down, 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 and the flames went higher. And it burns, 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 the ring of fire. Ring of fire. Well, hello, Chris. Well, hello, Matt. What's going on, buddy? Uh, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I got my cowboy boots on. <laughs> we were talking about barbecue chips and, yes. and rawhide. It, it seems like the appropriate thing. Like, I feel like eating barbecue chips is what the kind of chips you should eat when listening to Johnny Cash. Um, I mean, I don't know much about Johnny Cash, so okay. that's, that's just, it's just a feeling I have. Well, listen, I'm all for exploring your feelings, so if that's what you want to do, go for it, man. And you guys listening at home, if that's what you want to do, too, I say go for it. If, yeah. As long as you're not hurting anyone, go for it. Look, Matt informed me that there are new barbecue-flavored Doritos out there in the world, and I'm just saying, listening to podcasts is great. But barbecue Doritos, greater. It's greater. <laughs> it's much more greater. Um, yeah. Pre just before, uh, just before hitting record, um, I, I had to step out and I, I saw them in the world and I had to get them because I'm just that guy. And so I had a bag of Doritos for breakfast. So this is gonna be a fun episode. My mouth is still tingly tangly. Um, not that those are some of those are words. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> um, right. So I forget how we do this show, <laughs> do we? <laughs> <laughs> the barbecue has gone to my brain, dude. I, I, I'm terrible. Um, soda before noon. I'm a mess. I don't know who let me out like this. They have to come get me. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So before any, oh, we go any further, let me go over uh, a couple of the basics for anyone who's new to the show. Here's how this works. Each episode, either Matt or myself is going to pick a band or an artist. And that person then has to choose 10 tracks and 10 tracks only that they believe best represent that band or artist. We then listen to them. We discuss them. And that's pretty much how it goes. Now, I, uh, for this particular episode, don't have, like I said, uh, much, uh, knowledge of Mr. Cash. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's see where this goes. <sighs> so, uh, Chris, I know you just mentioned you're not really familiar with Johnny Cash. Do you have any familiarity, passing or otherwise, with uh, the man? All right, so I'm pretty sure I've read the. Um, I've had a couple of friends over the years who are big Johnny Cash fans. I've I watched his movie, the Joaquin Phoenix movie. Pretty mm-hmm. sure I saw that, um, and I know <laughs> I know. There's some of one of his songs, I'm pretty sure, is in an old liquid television sketch called uh, Speed Bump the Roadkill Possum. And I think that's about, <laughs> and, and whatever was played in that Kill Bill movie, uh, I've heard his cover of um, uh, the Nine Inch Nails song, uh, Hurt. And that, I think, is about it. I know he's got a very deep voice. Yes. I, um there there you go i'm tapped <laughs> <laughs> you tagging me back in okay that's it that's all i got 
Uh, I mean, first of all, that that throwback to liquid television. Holy cow, right? Um, <laughs> I haven't thought of liquid TV in a long time. Um, I'm not familiar with that, so I'll have to look into that. Yeah, uh, good luck. Liquid television is kind of hard to track down these days. I thought I'd maybe just find even a blurb about it, but uh, whatever. Quick amendment here. I looked it up, and no, uh, that song... There was no Johnny Cash song in any of the Speed Bump the Road Kill Possum sketches, so I don't know where I heard that from. It was somewhere in Liquid Television, but beats me which sketch it is. Anyway, back to the show. All right. Um, well, uh, I obviously am a very big fan of Johnny Cash um, for quite some time. Uh, I think, you know, I think a lot of people know the, the mainstays. Uh, we opened up the episode with Ring of Fire. I think um, that's the one that was used in a Speed Bump the Road Killed Possum. I wouldn't be surprised. It's a very popular song. Yeah, I've definitely heard that one before. I, that I don't know if I've heard that specific version mm -hmm. uh, that you uh, wanted me to put in the episode. Um, I'll listen to that when I do the editing. But I've definitely heard that song before. I've, I mean, obviously, oh, I've it's... heard whatever songs they played in the movie. So, well, well, if you think about it, well, actually, um, both uh, Joaquin and um, uh, Reese Witherspoon sang their own songs. Right. Right. So it's kind of interesting to uh what do you call it it's kind of interesting to listen to the soundtrack versions of the songs because it's joaquin phoenix and reese witherspoon and no disrespect to either johnny or uh, joaquin but or excuse me um june but there's a ver there i'm gonna we're gonna put a i'm gonna put a song on later in the episode and uh i'll talk about it but i actually kind of like joaquin and and uh, reese witherspoon's version a little bit better than the recorded Johnny and June, but it's also a cover, so it just deep goes deep, goes deep, goes deep. Any hoozle. So yeah, big fan of Johnny Cash. Um, you know, there's a lot about him that uh I love and you know, you gotta you gotta do that thing where you separate the art from the artist, because you know, Johnny's had some a lot of troubled years as as a lot of musicians of that time did. Or I should say a lot of artists at that time did. Um but I'm not really we're not really going to go into that. I don't, there's been enough coverage. There's, there's about five or six books about, you know, Johnny. Uh, there's that even whole movie. The whole, yeah. Even, even the movie itself covers a, a period, uh, you know, from a period of his life. Cause it doesn't go beyond a certain point, but you know, you get an idea. And of course, you know, there's some dramatizations of things. And I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, um, so, so with that being said, I'm just gonna, I, I, I basically lifted, you know, a little bit of information from Wikipedia. I'm only going to glaze through it. Um, cause I don't know that it's all entirely necessary to know every single detail of the, this gentleman's life. Uh, I do say if, if you are interested, there's a lot of information out there. Um, there's a comic book that was written, uh, based off of a book. That's about 700 pages that was written by um, Johnny Cash's good friend and journalist who um, they used to travel the roads together early on. And then, you know, as he got older and did his thing, the, the journalist, uh, I'll, I'll, and I'll get the name too, um, they, he, he wrote this whole book, you know, in, off of interviews with Johnny and, and so on and so forth. It's very comprehensive uh, you know, life stories and things like that. And there's, you know, Johnny Cash is an icon for so many people and, and the music industry. So you can really just 
you could throw a stone and, and just pick up so much information about him if that's what interests you. But for the purpose of this episode, I'm going to say this. Uh, Johnny Cash was actually born J.R. Cash, the letters J and R, on February 26, 1932, and uh, has passed since on uh, September 12, 2003. The story behind the J.R. Cash, though, is really kind of interesting to me. Um, his parents couldn't decide like who what his name was going to be. The mother wanted to name him uh, something with a J. Uh, I forget. Joaquin? No. And then uh, that would have been ironic. Right? <laughs> uh, but the father wanted to name him uh, Raymond or Ray. So finally they just settled on J.R. But uh, the name Johnny comes from um, when he joined the military. He couldn't have initials as a name, so he just said, okay, my name's John. So John R. Cash, right? Um, sing- country singer-songwriter of American descent. Um, what, I like, uh, what I like that they wrote was, uh, much of Cash's music contained themes of sorrow, moral tribulation, and redemption, especially in the later stages of his career. He is known for his deep, calm, bass baritone voice and the distinctive sound of the Tennessee Three backing band, which, character- which was characterized by the chugging guitar rhythms, a rebelliousness coupled with an increasingly somber and humble demeanor, free prison concerts, and a trademark all-black stage wardrobe, which earned him the nickname The Man in Black. Um, that distinctive uh, chugging guitar, a lot of people have uh, likened to the sound of uh, trains on, uh, on the tracks, the chugga 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 chugga. And as we listen to the early stuff of the career, I think you can pick that up pretty easily. Um, he was born in Arkansas. Uh, he eventually joined the Air Force. Did I say Army? I guess Air Force. My mistake. Um, let's see. Uh, hit signature songs. I Walk the Line, Ring of Fire, Get Rhythm, Man in Black. Uh, uh, humorous numbers, which we'll listen to one piece at a time which uh, is not on this episode, but is a fantastic song. Uh, so I don't know if you're starting to sense a theme with my picks. I do enjoy uh, musicians and bands and artists who put together music that's obviously very serious and, and you know lyrics have a message and stuff, but then can write funny songs. One Piece at a Time is such a great song. It's about a, a guy who ends up working for the, uh, I want to say, uh, the Cadillac. Uh, production line and he wants his own Cadillac so he's going to steal the car one piece at a time but it takes like 25 years it's fantastic um, uh, let's see uh, he does duet you know he's known for his duets with his future wife June Carter Cash um, and we'll hear one of those songs too um, let's see and then so yeah in the, the the last stage of his career he ends up doing you know, a lot of contemporary cover songs. Of course, we mentioned Nine Inch Nails Hurt. There's Rusty Cage by Soundgarden, which as much as I'm a huge fan of Rusty Cage by Soundgarden, uh, Johnny does a decent version. And of course, Personal Jesus by Depeche Mode. Mm, it all comes back around again now, doesn't it? Uh, and then the final thing I'm going to read here is Cash is one of the best selling music artists of all time, having sold more than 90 million records worldwide. His genre spanning music embraced country, rock and roll, rockabilly, blues, folk, and gospel, and the crossover appeal earned him a rare honor of being inducted into the country music, rock and roll, and gospel music Hall of Fames, respectively. Um, so the way I'm going to break this episode down, um, 
today is into the three, what I call the three phases of Johnny Cash. Um, the first phase is going to be the Sun Records phase, where uh, he gets his start, and we get a lot of the, uh, the old iconic Johnny Cash uh, songs that, you know, uh, really propelled him uh, into stardom. The next is going to be um, the Mercury Records phase, which is, uh, oh, uh, according to the, according to liner notes, it's 86 to 1991. Um, and then the final phase of his career is the American Recordings with uh, Rick Rubin, who started Def Jam. Uh, with Russell Simmons. Um, so the reason uh, I, wanna, I wanted to break it down to those three is because I think these are probably the most um, defining moments in his career, these, these periods of time. Because Johnny's had like a, an interesting uh, ebb and flow to his career, right? 50s and the 60s with uh, Sun Records. You know, he's, uh, he's coming up. He's, he's really making a name for himself. Very popular, touring, the whole nine. Then there's kind of uh you know he gets in he gets into a bunch of troubles he's doing drugs and stuff like that and he, he dips his his uh, popularity wanes and then comes the late 60s early 70s he starts the upswing again where he decides you know I'm gonna start doing these uh, prison concerts which is you know uh, Folsom Prison being one of the most famous Sam Quentin um. And then, and then his popularity comes back again up through the 70s right and then. Now he's at Mercury Records and he does a bunch of re-recordings and stuff like that. And there's there's quite a few interesting things. And I use the term interesting with air quotes because as as huge a fan as I am of Johnny Cash, there's a lot of material in this period that I'm not too keen on. I think it's kind of, I don't know, I personally think it's kind of whatever. Um, a lot of great messages, though, because he spent a lot of time really trying to raise awareness. And I think in the 70s, there was a big push for awareness for the treatment of um, First Nations Native Americans. So there's like a whole record where he does, uh, you know, songs about First Nations, but it's really very, um, what's the word? Um, it's very much in the vein of First Nation Native American music. So it's not very, quote unquote, Johnny Cash or the Johnny Cash we uh, have come to know. So there wasn't a lot of fanfare to it. And there was a lot of people. We got a lot of backlash for it, too, because the same thing with the Marlon Brando accepting the Oscar and stuff like that. A lot of backlash. Hmm. John Wayne. John Wayne's a dick, but that's besides the point. <laughs> Look into that incident if you don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, uh, through the 80s, here we are back in the 80s. So now what I love about the 80s and the Mercury Records recordings, and we're going to hear some of that, is uh, there's a great production value to them. That is intrinsically 1980s and and more specifically 1980s country music. Um, I just think it's a lot of fun, and I'll I will uh, I'll you know point to specific things when we get to those tracks. Um, but then you know early 90s, it his popularity wanes one more time, and he's uh, he's under the radar again for a long time. Um, and if I remember my readings correctly, Rick, excuse me. And if I remember my readings correctly, Rick Rubin was the one who thought, you know, here's this living legend. Like, I don't understand why, you know, nobody's doing anything. So he's the one that reached out to Johnny, had to convince him, you know, let's let's do some more recordings. I think you got some more in you. 
And uh, they had a very fruitful uh, 10 years together until he passed in 2003. And then a few records of those recordings came out uh, after uh, Johnny's death. So I think that the legacy of Johnny Cash firmly cemented, absolutely firmly cemented, um, a career that spanned, spanned nearly 50 years. And, uh, you know, from everything, right? Like I said it before, rockabilly, rock and roll, country, gospel. He was a very big gospel. He was, his faith was very driving for him. He released quite a few records of just gospel songs. Um, uh, geez, the blues, big influence, um, just, just, just a massive career. And then you, you tack on the iconography of the man in black, uh, the line from... Uh, Folsom Prison, where he says, I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. Like, that's such an enduring lyric. You know, you get this idea of this. A lot of people talk about um, that form of country as being outlaw country. Him, Wailing Jennings, uh, you know, Hank Williams and Hank Williams Jr. So it's just, there's just so much mysticism, uh, American folklore, legendary, iconic, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's just a lot, you know. And that makes up the enduring mystique and, and appeal, I think, of, of Johnny Cash. So, uh, As I mentioned, we opened with um, uh, Ring of Fire. Uh, that was the original recording. Um, there's a lot of interesting uh, information about that song. Mostly um, that, uh, you know, in the movie, the claim is that uh, June Carter Cash wrote it. Um, and that uh, she wrote it as a result of, like, her, you know, friendship or potential romantic, you know, involvement with um, with Johnny. And then, of course, Johnny records it and, and there's a there's a level of uh, disdain there from his first wife, Vivian, because Johnny gave 50 percent of the uh, the rights to June Carter. Um, but uh you know, whatever. I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm not going to speculate anymore on that. But um, yeah, originally recorded in uh, 1963, that uh, Ring of Fire. And the songwriters are credited to June Carter and Mer- Merle Kilgore. Um, yeah, and that's probably Johnny's most uh, famous piece of work. But for purposes of the episode, we're going to start with our first track. And it's a song entitled Cry, Cry, Cry. This song was um, the A-side, I want to say. Yeah, it was the A-side to uh, Hey Porter, which is the B-side, which is another fantastic song. These are So now, I always find this interesting because uh, recording technology hadn't come a long way yet. And so people were really still only recording... Um, Singles, A-sides, and B-sides, right? And uh, so a lot of the early Johnny Cash stuff is going to be just two songs, releasing two songs. You go into the studio, and technology only allows you to record two songs, one side of a record, the other side of a record. Uh, so the first few tracks we're going to talk about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention it's B-side. And then even as we get into later songs, as they come off of other compilations and things like that, um, I'll, I'll mention their B-sides too. And then there's a distinct point in which releasing singles is just not a thing anymore, single records. Um, yeah, uh, the story goes, uh, 
was it before the release of Cry 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 Cash signed with Sun Records, which again Sam Phillips. Say what you will about him. I don't know. He was he put a lot of the most uh prolific uh musicians on. So I you know, there's a lot of uh talk about him being a jerk and so on and so forth. <laughs> and that's I'm putting it mildly. <laughs> I'm being facetious and putting it mildly. Um yeah, so uh, Sam Phillips has Sun Records. He he puts Johnny on, and uh, they they record uh, "Cry Cry Cry," which was released in uh, June twenty first of nineteen fifty five. So this particular version um, is that version, and it comes off of a compilation called "Johnny Cash with His White Hot and Blue Guitar," two thousand seventeen definitive expanded remastered edition. So much information. I apologize. Anyway, I'm going to shut up now. We're going to listen to Cry, Cry, Cry by Johnny Cash. Enjoy. Everybody knows where you go when the sun goes down. I think you only live to see the lights uptown. I wasted my time when I would try, try, try Cause when the lights have lost their glow You'll cry, cry, cry Soon your sugar daddies will all be gone you wake up some cold day and find you're alone You'll call for me, but I'm gonna tell you bye, bye, bye When I turn around and walk away You'll cry, cry, cry you're gonna cry, 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 and you cry alone When everyone's forgotten and you're left on your own You're gonna cry, cry, cry to wait till you come in you stay a little while and then you're gone again every question that i ask i get a lie 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 or every lie you tell you're gonna cry 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 when your fickle love gets old no one will care for you then you'll come back to me for a little love that's true I'll tell you no, and then you'll ask me why, why, why. When I remind you of all of this, you'll cry, cry, cry. You're gonna cry, 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 and you won't me then. It'll hurt when you think of the fool you've been. You're gonna cry, cry, cry. cry 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 by johnny cash um and according to some information it was officially johnny cash's first uh successful single so chris as someone who is not very familiar what did you think oh that was a johnny cash ass johnny cash (laughs) 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 i mean that that cadence that uh simplicity that uh sound 
that is exactly what I think of when I think of Johnny Cash. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was perfectly enjoyable. It's not really my style, but it was, uh, there's, there's a certain nostalgic feel to something that simple. And, um, just that, that, uh, recording quality, that tone of, yeah. it, you know, um, it was just a very, like, uh, I, I don't know. It just invokes this feeling of being in a, uh, uh, a small rickety bar uh, a long time ago. <laughs> I think it just did. Uh, I I could just picture some dude playing that by himself up on the stage, and uh, I, it it invoked a very specific feeling uh, out of me just from that something I'm not even nostalgic for. Something I don't even think I'm really. I'm not much of a drinker, so I don't really spend time in bars. But it's just mm-hmm. that it's invoking these uh, very specific images and feelings. So it's, it's a nice little tune. Yeah, I I definitely get it, right? I I could see all the wood of the bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like wood. A, That's exactly right. A very woody, thin uh, layer of of smoke in the country atmosphere. style bar saloon, even. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Maybe that scene from um, the Blues Brothers where they just play rawhide and stand by your man all night <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with the chicken wire. Um. <laughs> That was just for the Patreon uh, patrons. That's all that soda. So what I love about this uh, particular song is lyrical content. I think a mm. lot of what I love about Johnny Cash is his songwriting ability. Um, sonically, I love the old recordings. I love the way the Sun Records um, music sounds. Um, again, say what you will about Sam Phillips, but he he pressed a damn good record. Um, I think that uh, as far as the musicianship goes, as far as uh, arrangement and orchestration, uh, it's it's not the most complex stuff, right? It, like you said, it, it kind of doesn't goes have back, to be. Right. It goes back to a simpler time, right? And definitely because, you know, this quote-unquote rock and roll fad craze, whatever you want to call it, was just starting to... <laughs> be a thing right you get guys like elvis presley jerry lee lewis roy orbison um buddy holly all these guys were really picking up guitars and starting to do things that weren't necessarily done up until that point so you know it's it's a long way from there to today with you know guys like i don't know sack wild and randy rhodes you know the way they play and but you know it all comes it all stems out of these guys um so that being said the simplistic nature of the music is almost secondary to me to Johnny Cash's ability to um, write lyrics. And then, of course, his voice is so iconic and it just works. Oh, yeah. You know, he's, he's talking about a woman who all she does is lie about these things to him. And then at some point, it's all going to come back around again. Right. And I think I think everyone and that's what I think about his lyrics, too, is very accessible to everyone. I think everyone knows someone like this. They, you know, the boy who cried wolf or whatever. And. You know, at some point it's gonna it's gonna bite you in the in the rear end, and um, you know when it does, I'm I'm not gonna be there for it because you've you've you know you've burnt me too many times. Um, I think one of the central themes of all of Johnny Cash's music is that he he is an amazing storyteller. Um, he has a very innate ability to, again, make his lyrics accessible. Um, and I, I personally take away heavy feelings from it. Like, you know, the lyrics behind Cry, Cry, Cry hit me and I'm like, you know, damn, man, like I, I know someone like that or I've been that person once or twice and 
you know, it's, it sucks. <laughs> uh, that's, and, really and that's interesting that you say that because I, I have to say that I just, I kind of tuned out the lyrics. I was just listening to the music and oh, the music man. just kind of metronomed in my head and none of the lyrics really connect. We had this conversation when we were yeah. talking about a Depeche Mode. It's just the way I, I absorb music sometimes it just the lyrics don't even connect with me and i i i didn't i didn't i didn't catch any of it i'm gonna have to really i you, I'm, I'm gonna make a concerted effort going forward to really focus on you have that. to i i, I mean that, it's just weird that you mentioned mentioned the lyrics and i was just as soon as you said it, i was like wait a minute i don't think i heard a single word that guy said <laughs> except cry 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 i just i remember the music and i i remember uh -huh. the specific feelings that it elicited but i didn't listen to a single one of the word he said no, I'll, I'll, I apologize. I'm gonna make sure. I'm gonna make myself focus on that going forward. Good, because you know the next bunch of songs. I mean, I chose a lot of the songs strictly on lyrical content. Um, so buckle up, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, that being said, on behalf of all the Johnny Cash fans, I'm not gonna take offense to the fact that you didn't listen to the lyrics, but uh, you've been warned. <laughs> No, that's that that's that's just me it's that is a, no, it is a know, musical failing on my on my behalf well you're a drummer so it's true <laughs> <laughs> i love by the way saying that just making that a punchline <laughs> well he is a drummer it's like a like a you know i forgot my wallet at home well he is a drummer so hey you know and, and it, what it do you call a guy who hangs time. out with a bunch of musicians i don't know what a drummer how do you know a drummer's at your front door how do you know uh the knock speeds up and slows down <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you one bass player joke. Ready? What do you throw a drowning bass player? I don't know. His amp. <laughs> All right. Oh my god! As somebody who used to cart around bass amps, because yep. I was the guy who had the car. Uh, oh my god! Bass amps. I, I feel I feel bad because my drummer was the guy with the car. Well, everybody in the band was the guy with the car except for me. And, I, and because my drummer lived not too far from me, we always traveled together. But to be fair, I helped him load and unload, okay? I wasn't, you know, I didn't have lead singer disorder. Oh, man. Uh, Nothing like being the drummer and, like, you know, everyone's fiddling with their pedals. They're all set up. They're standing around. They're just, you know, fixing their you. shirts. And I'm, like, screwing in all kinds of stuff. Over yeah. As a sound engineer, right? Like I, every time I see a every, usually the first person in is the drummer and the last person out. So I always think Philo first in, last out, right? Uh -huh. And uh, I had this coworker. Uh, we're rambling, but I had this coworker who used to say things to drummers at the end of the night. It's two a.m. Right? They've been playing since ten, and we're all just exhausted. Every one of us. And he turns to the drummer and he's like, "Don't you wish you took up harmonica?" <laughs> And I always felt that was funny, but moderately insulting. Oh, for sure. But at the same, like, I would have laughed. I would have, yeah, absolutely, I would have laughed. Of course, as you're slowly breaking down a hi-hat, like, I hate it here, please. Why did I do this? Anyway. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to uh, the next track, um, which was, it's, it's called uh, Home of the Blues. And it's actually the A-side to Give My Love to Rose, which we will listen to later. But we're not going to listen to the 1957 version. Uh, it's going to be a, a much later in his career version uh, for very specific reasons. At any rate, uh, let's see. Uh, Home of the Blues was recorded July 1st, 1957, was released August 10th, 1957. Um, the song was written by Johnny Cash, uh, Lily McAlpin, and Glenn Douglas Tubb. 
Uh, again, recorded on Sun Records. Uh, this song, uh, you know, I talked about lyrical content, right? There's yeah. a lot of, lot of great. We're gonna, in my opinion, we're gonna listen to a lot of great stories because first and foremost, I think Johnny Cash is a storyteller. This one has some of my favorite uh, actual vocal melodies in it. Um, this version comes off of Johnny Cash sings the songs that made him famous. 2017 definitive expanded remastered edition. <laughs> I I don't know what one of the problems I had putting together a track listing for Johnny Cash was you really have to wade through all the releases because at some point after Johnny had left Sun Records and moved on to Mercury, Sam Phillips got very, I don't know, Sam Phillipsy, and he was re-releasing his stuff. And so there's multiple releases of the same recording, multiple presses, and, you know, then he started, you know, 49-year career, there, there's a... There's about a million best ofs. There's about a million re-releases and stuff. So it's like, so I went with the 2017 releases because at that point there was a lot of remastering going on, um, and I'm a fan of the sound of the remasterings that happened in 2017. There was certainly uh, in 2012 there was the Great Compression Wars, which I won't bore you with right now. But there were many casualties. There was a lot of casualties. Yeah. Um, mostly my ears. <laughs> At any rate, uh, let's dive in. It's the track is uh, "Home of the Blues." It's Johnny Cash. It's 1957. Uh, enjoy. Down the street that loses 
Johnny Cash, and uh, how'd that grab you? Uh, well, I have to say, it takes on a different um, takes on a different feeling focusing on the lyrics. Uh, because like, I actually had to kind of make myself do it because the uh, the, the 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 musical structure is again, it, it's super similar to the last one we just listened to. to mm-hmm. Just listened to. So I started, you know all right, I'm going to listen to the lyrics and I'm, I'm listening. And then the music catches me and my brain immediately just tunes back out again. I was like, no, get back in there. Cause the lyrics are quite good. Um, <laughs> I like that you said, get back in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just the way uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing to be noticing. That's just the way that my brain is working. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, it, it is, it was a, uh, it was a good tune. It was again, it was musically very, um, I don't want to say cookie cutter, but it is so incredibly formulaic. It's just like, all right, this is this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna do this uh, bouncing back and forth little rhythm. Uh, we're gonna do a little bridge. Uh, we're gonna do a couple courses, and that's gonna be the end of that. And like, mm-hmm. I, and that's that's not a complaint. It's it's just a a stylistic thing. Um, but I I hear what you're saying about uh, him him being quite the lyricist. It's uh it definitely is um. Uh, Home of the blues. The blues is something that I've never connected, identified with uh, myself. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so whenever people say they've got the blues or things like that in songs, it's it's never something that I have an easy time connecting with personally. Uh, but um, I can say that it was a uh, it was effective enough that I I got the point that he was he was trying to get across. And uh, it's a weird juxtaposition because it's so it's the music isn't sad, right? Like, yeah, right. It's, it, it's not like this is a sad, a, what you would think of as a traditionally sad song, but there is an overall twinge of sadness in the lyrics uh, about, you know, being lonely. So I don't know. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So there's, um, you know, if, when you dive into the career and you dive into the, uh, the song book of Johnny Cash, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of like uh, loneliness, like I said, um, kind of in that little write up at the beginning, um, isolation, perhaps, uh, you know, some darker, somber uh, tones to tracks. Um, You're absolutely right. There is like this weird juxtaposition to kind of this upbeat, you know, cowboy song, if you will. But the lyrics are definitely about, you know, someone who's, quote, just lost their sweetheart. but I do, I do love the line that says, uh, you know, misery loves company. You'll find me at the home of the blues. Like, it's just great. Um, according to the Wikipedia page for this song, as I was gathering information, <laughs> there's a section that reads content. And this is the statement that's there. The song is an autobiography of Cash's unpleasant childhood, period. And that's it. <laughs> and I find that absolutely hysterical. It's, it's super interesting because, like, the cowboy lifestyle like the whole cowboy persona Mm -hmm. and there is nothing about johnny cash that i personally identify with so right 
hearing him sing about something as universal as loneliness is such an interesting experience because like the way that these lyrics are dressed up, they don't speak to me at all, but the words themselves do. So mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of doing this weird bounce around thing in my head where I'm kind of being forced to listen to music in a different way uh, to have a better understanding of it. Because yeah, this is one of the reasons I've never really been a Johnny Cash fan is because the music doesn't turn me off. It just doesn't, it doesn't grab me the way that the kind of music that I tend to gravitate towards typically does. Um, sure. And that's a me dis that's me doing a disservice to myself because um, not doing the uh, quote unquote legwork of getting in there and, and really giving it a proper shot on my own. I miss out on some genuinely good stuff. Like this was a very good song. Um, and I never would have, I never would have even noticed it was a good song, even having heard it had, mm-hmm. I not been uh, put in a position to no really listen to this song. Um, <laughs> so I think that's, I think that's really cool. This is, this has been an interesting experiment so far. I love picking things that you don't, uh, you know, normally gravitate towards because your experience is so interesting to me. Obviously, like I've been listening to Johnny Cash now, 20, 25, 30 years, whatever it is. Um, so this is all old hat for me, but then to have you come along and go, oh, you know, this isn't my mainstay, but this is very, you know, and then have it, it's very, very interesting. There's like, um, there's a very famous um, production video of Pink Floyd creating the um, Dark Side of the Moon, and uh, Gilmore says, you know, I'm very jealous of the people who got to hear the record for the first time in its entirety because you know, I worked on it for so long. I never got to hear it, you know, brand spanking new, never heard it before ever, like a virgin ear, so to speak. So there's always a part of me that like when I introduce someone to something they haven't heard or seen or whatever, I'm I'm always a little jealous. <laughs> I want that experience again because I love it so much. I want to I want to be able to experience the falling in love with it again. So this is always fun for me. All right, we're going to we're going to. Uh, mosey on <laughs> I, f- I felt that that made sense maybe we'll two-step do a little two-step forward the next track we're gonna do is called i still miss someone and of course this is you guys are maybe picking up on a theme here uh this track was written or excuse me was recorded july 24th 1958 and it's for the columbia records label so at this point johnny had moved on from sun records left behind a very prolific career at sun alone um this song is actually co-written um, with his uh, nephew, Roy Cash. So the two of them share um, the uh, songwriting credits there. Um, if I'm reading this correctly, it's the B-side to Don't Take Your Guns to Town, which is a, a song. Um, <laughs> I'm not a big <laughs> fan of that song per se, but I thought it would make for an interesting uh, opening line for the, for the episode. Uh, I I find it kind of drone and drawled, in my opinion. However, I Still Miss Someone is not. Um, As you can guess by the title, it's going to be about loss and heartache. Um, Again, it contains some of my favorite uh, Johnny Cash uh, melodies, another story being told. Um, And, you know, the music is going to be more in the same vein, so... Like I said, uh, lyrical content, storytelling, Johnny Cash, I still miss someone. Enjoy. Enjoy. 
interesting uh, contrast between the really soft backup voices mm-hmm. and um, Johnny's I don't know if abrasive is the right word for it because it's not like his, mm-hmm. his, his, his voice is really smooth it's just very powerful um, if I may interject <clears throat> for a moment I was going to talk about it regardless, but I think what you're talking about is there's something that happens uh, on analog consoles with analog microphones. Now, when a sound is too loud, you distort a microphone, right? Right. But in some instances, those distortions are actually sought after. So in this case, I think Johnny Cash's voice is so powerful that it's driving the, uh, the diaphragm of the microphone, which is causing some sort of distortion. So when I hear this track and some other tracks, I think even with the last track, I can hear that distortion. Um, if this if this were modern recording, you could absolutely hear the digital distortion. It's it's god awful, but <laughs> but analog distortion is actually quite pleasant when used properly. And I think this is an instance where um, the 
the analog distortion exists and it it's you it's I don't know if I don't know I don't want to say it's leaned into uh you know I wasn't there I don't know if everybody was like what's that sound and they're like no no keep it it's great but I'm glad they did so maybe that's what you mean where you're saying it's aggressive but not aggressive you're catching the edge of that distortion perhaps maybe I think I just mean his voice in general not not necessarily okay. from a mixing point of view I just mean like you know, he he has a very singular voice. I can't think of anybody who really sounds quite like him. Like, there's, no. you know, Elvis maybe uh, to a degree, but like, mm-hmm. he's got a very, very bassy voice, right? It's it's mm-hmm. just a very strong personality through his voice. And then the backup vocals are these very soft, like higher pitched uh, sounding people. And I thought um, the really, really... Uh, smooth sounding of the backup vocals um pressed up against his very um again abrasive isn't the right word it's very pronounced it's very um bold uh can't just think of barbecue sauce when you say bold (laughs) it all comes back to barbecue (laughs) back to barbecue but it's uh, i i liked the uh this was a um Again, it, was, it followed the same exact formula of the rest of those songs, but it had a very different tone and a very different feel to it, uh, and and I enjoyed it, and I liked that um, that contrast between his vocals, his very strong vocals, and uh, the much lighter backup vocals. I thought that was cool. Yeah, there's definitely a, a great uh, dynamic there. You know, the um, I want to say it's like three-part harmony, if not four-part harmony on the on the singers there. The intro, you know, I still miss someone, and then they're they're in the background too, kind of laying down just the vocalizations. Um, and yeah, you're absolutely right. It goes, it's it's a complete like perpendicular to Johnny Cash's baritone, right? Um, again, I love the lyrical content. Like this one, I think I like this one. I I feel rather is way more. On that, like loneliness, uh, you know, there's there's a lot more here than the home of the blues. I think the home of the blues is just like, uh, you know, hey man, you, you're down and out. There's there's a place for us losers, right? <laughs> but but I still miss someone. Is that like that pining? You know, he says that line. I uh, oh, I never got over those blue eyes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, I was a kid once, and you know. <laughs> had had uh you know people pass through my life females oh, pass through my oh, life absolutely i and, i uh uh that that read that specific piece resonated with me as well for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know what that's like to see someone that you love oh. uh in everywhere that you look yep. um again strangely through the eyes of uh, through the um <sighs> production the the lens of uh, a personality that I don't connect with, you know, again, mm-hmm. it's like kind of cowboy, uh, a country style thing. It's like these uh, things that resonate with these ideas that resonate with me with a style of music that is not is so uh, counter to what I'm used to is a very interesting experience. I, I, and, you know, that's the beautiful thing about music, right? You and I talk about this a bunch. Music is the universal language. I don't, it, yeah. I don't care who you are. and you know, everyone's experienced heartache, triumph, loss, whatever it is, right? And there's a song for it. You know, someone's written a song about it. Um, and I, I love that it doesn't have to be your genre of music. 
for you to hear a song and go, oh, I get it. Yeah. Right. That definitely connect. Yeah, it's fantastic. So I still miss someone. Uh, all right, moving on. We're gonna we're gonna hit our first duet with um his eventual second wife, June Carter. Um, so there you know, if you look at the movie, the movie uh, I Walk the Line, it really has to do with the the I mean it's Johnny Cash's story, right? But you can't tell Johnny Cash's story without having June Carter. Um and uh, you know, just with a grain of salt, there was a lot of performing, a lot of tours together and things like that. And and even though he was married, he said to June Carter, I'm gonna marry you someday. So, you know, you've been a bad boy, Johnny Cash. <laughs> um without going into who the Carter family is in great detail, they're one of the great um uh country southern singing families mom and dad the kids they all were entertainers they all had the it was the carter family and they they all performed together uh june being part of that one of the things about june though was um her voice for the time a lot of people didn't care for uh uh i don't know that shrill is the right word but um she just she didn't get a lot of shine but Johnny, however, wanted her to shine, and he saw something in her. Yeah, she was funny. You know, she had to be funny, right? Because she didn't have a great voice, apparently. <laughs> so she was she was very sharp and very quick-witted and stuff like that. Uh, so I, I think she's the quintessential Southern woman. You know, when you think of a, you know, a, a Southern woman who's very uh, on it, you know, someone tosses something at her and she can throw it right back. I think John, June Carter Cash is is the the grandmama of all that or at least she comes she comes from that that same cloth of uh, and caliber of woman um so this song is uh it ain't me babe now i did my best to kind of stay away from the covers because obviously late in cash's career he wasn't writing a ton of music um but uh ah, well we'll get to that um so it's very easy for me at the end of the episode to just throw in covers and say well here you go but um, I love this song so much. This is originally a Bob Dylan song. Um, Cash was a fan of Dylan. Uh, they were friends, too. And I think this song... Again, Bob Dylan, another great story, American storyteller, right? Love him, hate him, however you feel about him. Um, you can't deny his, his overall impact on, on music as a whole. Um, so I think it's interesting that, you know, I could sit here some... Let's see, 64, some 60 something years later and say it's amazing that a great is covering a great because back then in 64, they, it was just Dylan and Cash. You know what I mean? Like, you know, people could see their trajectories. Right. But, you know, some 60 years later, you see the whole picture and you go, holy hell. Right. Hmm. Um, so he chose to do this song with, uh, you know, then June Carter, you know, eventually June Carter Cash. Um I will continue to say things like it's lyrical content's fantastic. I love the way their voices come together, June and Johnny. You know, you could sit here and go, oh, match made in heaven or whatever, you know. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm going to leave you to decide. The song's called It Ain't Me, Babe. It was recorded in, uh, well, I don't remember when they recorded it. They recorded it in 67, 1967. It's Johnny Cash and it's uh, June Carter Cash. I want you guys to enjoy it. I 
from my window Leave at your own chosen speed I'm not the one you want, babe I'm not the one you need You say you're looking for someone Who's never weak but always strong To protect you and defend you Whether you are right or wrong Someone to open each and every door I'm not the one you want, babe I'll only let you down You say you're looking for someone Who'll promise never to part Someone to close his eyes for you Someone to close his heart Someone to die for you and more But it ain't me, babe No, 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 it ain't me, babe It ain't me you're looking for, babe time you fall together flowers constantly and to come each time you call and we'll love you for your life and nothing more Originally, Bob Dylan, as sung by Johnny Cash and June Carter. Um, I absolutely love that song. I It sounds funny to me to say that I find it to be an absolutely romantic song. <laughs> because <laughs> I've certainly been in a place where, you know, you, you've got someone. And you really want to be together. And you realize, like... I I can't be your superhero. I can't be this thing that you want me to be. And so, you know, you want all these things, but that's not who I am. It ain't me, babe, right? Just uh, such a great, uh, man, just such a great, like, <laughs> a great sentiment. Like, it's terrible for me to say that, right? Like, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not your, I'm not your Superman, <laughs> but, you know, um, just a great sentiment. Uh, yeah chris uh what i liked about this one was uh again i defaulted to the music itself i liked how this was such an interesting evolution of the 
the um, uh, the formula that Johnny Cash uses, right? So everything we've listened to so far has been this, like the first two were just like, it seemed very rinky-dink, like him, guitar, uh, play these chords, the end. And then yeah. in the third one, I still miss him when we start to get some backup vocals. And now we have, it's still following the same formula, but it's so much more fleshed out, right? You've got, mm-hmm. you know, um, June Carter doing the, uh, the June Carter doing backup vocals instead of, generic uh thinking of like old timey western uh music it's mm-hmm. it's not this this like barbershop quartet kind of backup it's it's a sp- very specific voice doing backup you've got harmonica you've got the uh what i would think somewhat iconic trumpet sounds being added on top of it because you know when you think yep. of that uh, a lot of <laughs> thinking of just the general johnny cash style it's that that trumpet's like ring of fire you know mm-hmm. um so this is the hearing hearing the evolution of his style from cry 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 to here uh i that was what stuck out to me most of all like i i hear what you're saying about the lyrics but i again was distracted by the music but this time for a different reason because i'm like i'm hearing this this proper evolution of of his style and even though it isn't necessarily his song it is very much his style of it, this is i don't know what the original one is but i would have to assume that it doesn't sound exactly like this because this is so much a Johnny Cash style thing, you know, it's being played in his flavor. Mm-hmm. Is that flavor barbecue? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, damn right it is. So, so to your point, um, you talk about the evolution of the music, right? And and that's really what I like to do with someone's career that's as big as Johnny Cash's. Start at the humble beginning. Watch, you know, the trajectory and see where it all ends, right? In his case, because he's passed on, right? Which hurt me to say that. But anyway, <laughs> hurt. Um, <laughs> the original. So when I when I found out uh, some 10 years ago or something that this was actually a Bob Dylan song, I was like, no way. Oh, my God. And like, my mind was blown. So, of course, I went out and I looked for the original. I listened to it and I thought, oh, that's good. <laughs> that's what I hate when you hear a cover first and then you go back to the original and you're like, oh, that's that's cute. Um, but I've grown over the years to really, really enjoy Bob Dylan's version. Uh, Bob Dylan, the original version, I should say. Not like, you know, he covered his own song or something. But I digress. The um the Bob Dylan version is very Bob Dylan, right? Folk guitar harmonica is there too. Mm-hmm. And it's just him and his guitar, right? You know, before Dylan went electric and everybody lost their minds. Um and the the seed that Dylan created and planted for then uh, Cash and Carter to cover um, is just tremendous. Um, you mentioned the trumpets, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Ring of Fire, right, was um, like, you know, arguably one of Johnny Cash's biggest hits. And it has those horns at the beginning, what what everyone's called the mariachi horns, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and these those horns definitely came back for this song, right? And I, as you said, to see the trajectory and to to listen to a more full piece of music, right? Because yeah, June Carter is um is doing the duet, right? Fantastic, but then you get. The backing vocals, which uh, I was trying to see if I could find who they were, but uh, to no avail. So I, they may very well easily be the Carter family, for all I know. 
But uh, for the interest of the show, I'm just going to say those backing vocals, right? The songs start to get a little bigger in sound, right? This was 65, I want to say, 67 that the song was recorded. Um, So we're starting to move into, on the recording side of things, a more multi-track capabilities. You um, You get the ability to record in a non-linear way and so that's you're going to start to hear songs that are a little bit bigger um and so on and this is just a a perfect example of that right i still miss someone starting to get bigger you know uh uh, it ain't me babe much bigger and i will say this while this song doesn't feature june carter as a prominent role as say something like uh jackson which is their probably arguably biggest hit together their biggest duet hit together which by the way everyone should go out and listen to it's actually a um i find it to be a really humorous song about love um you know it's it's kind of a couple that's been together for a while and you know they they have their little banter he's like well i'm gonna he's like well you know i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna do these things and and you're not gonna stop me and she's like all right you go ahead you go do all the things you think you're going to do, you big man, like whatever. It's <laughs> it's it's such a playful song, but it ain't me, babe. Uh, Got to be one of my favorite covers of all time. Um, Johnny Cash, June Carter. Fantastic. That brings me to my next song. This song, oh, man, <laughs> I remember being super, super young and hearing the term a boy named Sue and thinking, well, that's that's silly. Like, why would you name a boy Sue? Because I had an Aunt Susan. So I knew the name Sue and I thought, oh, that's really silly. But then to get to be old enough to hear the song and then to really understand the song, I thought, oh, my God, that's brilliant. But then to get older and to find out the the true nature of the song, right, who wrote it. So we're going to we're going to we're going to go into a boy named Sue, right, which, again, is arguably another Johnny Clash, Johnny Cash classic Titan song. Not originally written by Johnny, but instead written by Shel Silverstein. Does that name ring a bell? Yeah, the the Giving Tree guy. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to read just real quick. uh, Let's see here. Yeah, this was originally this. We're going to listen to the the first recording of this song. It comes off of the. um, Where are we? Oh, okay. So the so the version the the album we're gonna listen to it comes off of one piece at a time, the best of the Johnny Cash twenty twenty. But this is actually recorded uh, during the um, Sam Quentin uh, prison show. So the song starts off with a bit of dialogue, which is you know stage banter. Um, and if I remember correctly, because I haven't listened to this since putting it on the track listing a while ago, uh, Carl Perkins. Uh, has joined them on stage and Carl Perkins if you're not familiar legendary guitarist actually wrote Blue Suede Shoes which was more popularized by Elvis but if you ask me Carl Perkins has a better version Carl Perkins also huge influence on um, George Harrison of the Beatles when um, George Harrison used to uh, use a fake name it used to be uh, I forget the first name but the last name was always Perkins he'd always sign as something Perkins because of his love of uh, Carl Perkins Anyway, um, right. So <laughs> I I don't know. I'm I'm just gonna let this one rock. This is a boy named Sue. It comes from the um 
originally recording on the uh, San Quentin State Prison uh, recording February uh, 1969. Enjoy. I want you to, uh, I want you to, to, if you don't mind, Carl, I'd like you to stay out and help us on some songs. Play the I'd guitar. Love to. One of the greatest guitar players as well as songwriters and singers in the business. Thank Appreciate you. a little help on the guitar, all right? Well, my daddy left home when I was three, and he didn't leave much to Ma and me. Just this old guitar and an empty bottle of booze. Now, I don't blame him because he run and hid, but the meanest thing that he ever did was before he left, he went and named me Sue. Well, he must have thought that it was quite a joke, and it got a lot of laughs from lots of folks. Seems I had to fight my whole life through. Some gal would giggle and I'd get red And some guy'd laugh and I'd bust his head I'll tell you, life ain't easy for a boy named Sue <laughs> Well, I grew up quick and I grew up mean My fists got hard, my wits got keen Roamed from town to town to hide my shame But I made me a vow to the moon and stars I'd search the honky-tonks and bars And kill that man that give me that awful name well, it was Gatlinburg in mid-July And I'd just hit town and my throat was dry I thought I'd stop and have myself a groove At an old saloon on a street of mud There at a table dealing stud Sat the dirty mangy dog that named me Sue Well, I knew that snake was my own sweet dad From a worn-out picture that my mother had had And I knew that scar on his cheek and his evil eye he was big and bent and gray and old And I looked at him and my blood ran cold And I said, my name is Sue How do you do? Now you gonna die Yeah, that's what I told him Well, I hit him hard right between the eyes And he went down, but to my surprise Come up with a knife and cut off a piece of my ear but I busted a chair right across his teeth And we crashed through the wall and into the street Kicking and a-gouging in the mud and the blood and the beard I tell you, I fought tougher men But I really can't remember when He kicked like a mule and he bit like a crocodile I heard him laugh and then I heard him cuss And he went for his gun to pull mine first He stood there looking at me and I saw him smile He said, son... This world is rough, and if a man's gonna make it, he's gotta be tough. And I know I wouldn't be there to help you along. So I give you that name, and I said goodbye. I knew you'd have to get tough or die. And it's that name that helped to make you strong. Yeah. He said, now you just fought one hell of a fight. And I know you hate me, and you got the right to kill me now. And I wouldn't blame you if you do. But you ought to thank me before I die For the gravel in your guts and the spit in your eye Cause I'm the son of a bitch that named you Sue Yeah, well, what could I do? What could I do? I got all choked up and I threw down my gun Called him a paw and he called me a son And I come away with a different point of view And I think about him now and then Every time I try and every time I win And if I ever have a son I think I'm gonna name him Bill or George, any damn thing but Sue. I'm gonna name that thing. Yeah. 
Thank you very much. <laughs> that was a boy named Sue coming off the <laughs> Sam Quentin recordings uh, out in San Quentin uh, prison. <laughs> and, um, you know, I talk about a lot that I, I enjoy a lot of humor. I enjoy humor in my music, too. And that song's very humorous, obviously. But um, I think you'll admit that there's a lot of heart to it as well. So I'm I'm very curious your take because I heard you I heard you a little <laughs> laughing here and there at the at the right part so to speak. So what do you? Yeah, got? I loved it. I I thought that was great. It's a uh, it's neat that you mentioned that it was a Shel Silverstein thing because like mm-hmm. having read uh, a lot of his poetry and stuff as a kid and you know my kids in the last year or two got to around that age where we started reading stuff like where the sidewalk ends with them mm-hmm. and of course the Giving Tree and of and course. stuff. It's you can definitely. That's <laughs> such a Shel Silverstein thing. <laughs> yes, the yeah, way it it's is. written uh, is it great. Is. But it was really fun, and, and Johnny Cash's uh, his comedic delivery uh, in yeah. the song is really, really spot on. Uh, it was that was that was a fun one. I liked that a lot. Absolutely, yeah. The um, I you know, comedy is is all about timing and delivery, right? And and he does a fantastic job of being able to marry that music. You know, that that uh, boom chicka boom, as they call it, the the old Tennessee twang or whatever you want. You know, the Johnny Cash sound He's able to marry that to the lyrics of Shel Silverstein. And of course, Shel Silverstein, like he's not a best selling author for no reason. Right. Right. <laughs> he knows he knows very well how to, like, create that image. And, and again, going back to storytelling, he's able to create such a, a wonderful story and in three minutes and, you know, in under four minutes. Right. You get this wonderful story arc about a guy who's you know got a girl's name and you know why he's such a badass oh excuse me why he's such a badass and you know i'm gonna take revenge and you just get this great and then the resolution you know meeting his dad and understanding why get and he says i come up with a new point of view right and i think that's so important just in this life because i think we get very um we get very uh tied up in our singular point of view um even those of us who have, you know, families, however big or small, sometimes you forget that there's more people involved in in this um, this voyage. And so, to to come away with the singular experience of just being teased his entire life and made fun of and then picked on because his name was Sue, but then to understand the why of it, because the person who did it had was very self aware of his own failings. You know, it's such a it's such a brilliant four minute story arc like he could yeah very musical storytelling yeah just yeah. at its finest just yeah. such a great song and then yeah um so it's recorded in front of you know uh, i don't know how many hundreds of inmates at san quentin prison <laughs> which is why you get the hooting and the hollering when he says you know how do you do now you gonna die you know you know so <laughs> um I really do love both um, the San Quentin recordings and the Folsom Prison recordings because of the live audience. There's nothing better. I Listen, I love recorded music. It's kind of my bread and butter, right? But my real bread and butter is live. And I love a live show and to get the audience participation. And you get a lot of fun little things in there. Like, um, you know, if that song were recorded straight away before going live, you wouldn't have that moment where he's like, what could I do? What could I do? And, you know, and, and all these little ad-libs that just make it so great. Um, 
they just wouldn't exist i don't think those those ad libs come from years of performing you get tired of doing it the same way every single time you know um it's a great example with um tool as a as a group uh one of their old songs they've recently re-recorded it went from four minutes to nine minutes and there's a lot of like stuff they used to put in live now they just thought ah eh, we'll just record it so <laughs> anyway uh moving on real quick stylistically <laughs> yes, there was um uh the way the this song reminded me so very specifically not lyrically or anything uh just the way it's composed and the sound of the guitars reminded me like almost immediately and through consistently the whole song of the song pentagram by cake off their first album motivator generosity feasty eyes won't make me fall apart your turquoise and silver won't weaken this old heart yeah <laughs> the whole time i'm thinking like i get it this get is it. there is no way that mo- that pentagram does not stem from this like there's no way this that's not a specific reference to this song because it's like that that little secondary guitar part was almost like one-to-one in a couple of spots it was pretty cool yeah i mean look carl perkins is a freaking guitar legend right this song is is of legendary status two very influential people it's you know it all stems from somewhere right yeah. and if you're listen if you're gonna steal from someone <laughs> <You know? laughs> all right um moving on to our next track this song is uh man in black so there's a lot of legend there's a lot of uh hearsay as to why johnny cash wore black all the time right uh one of the stories is that he claims you know being on the road you can't do your laundry all that much so black doesn't show dirt <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of the you know hearsay tales but um so this song is actually a considered a protest song right uh written solely by johnny uh it was originally released in 71 on the same uh, on an album of the same name um the best way i could put it is what comes off of the wikipedia and that's quote and after the fact explanation of this with uh the entire song, a protest statement against the treatment of poor people by wealthy politicians, mass incarceration, and the war in Vietnam. Um, you know, so it does take the moniker of, of Man in Black, where he performs all the time in black for various reasons. But uh, listening to the lyrical content, I think you'll, you'll get that protest, right? The 70s were a big time. Vietnam's a lot of people protesting Vietnam, so you get a lot of protest songs. There's no surprise that someone like Johnny Cash is going to step up and and write, you know, his own um his own protest song. Uh this version that we're going to listen to comes off of the album Man in Black 1971. This is the the original recording because as we get away from this and we move on, there's definite, uh, like I said, there's a lot of re-recordings and things like that. But uh, I wanted to capture kind of the, uh, I don't know, the the way the recording industry was going, a sound of the times and stuff like that. So without further ado, this is Man in Black off of 1971's Man in, Man in Black by Johnny Cash. Enjoy.
Well, you wonder why I always dress in black Why you never see bright colors on my back And why does my appearance seem to have a somber tone Well, there's a reason for the things that I have on I wear the black for the poor and the beaten down Living in the hopeless, hungry side of town I wear it for the prisoner who has long paid for his crime But is there because he's a victim of the time I wear the black for those who've never read Or listened to the words that Jesus said About the road to happiness through love and charity Why you think he's talking straight to you and me Mighty fine, I do suppose In our streak of lightning cars and fancy clothes But just so we're reminded of the ones who are held back Up front there ought to be a man in black I wear it for the sick and lonely old For the reckless ones whose bad trip left them cold I wear the black in mourning for the lives that could have been. Each week we lose a hundred fine young men. And I wear it for the thousands who have died. Believing that the Lord was on their side. I wear it for another hundred thousand who have died. Believing that we all were on their side. Changing everywhere you go But till we start to make a move To make a few things right You'll never see me wear a suit of white Oh, I'd love to wear a rainbow every day And tell the world that everything's okay But I'll try to carry off a little darkness on my back Till things are brighter, I'm the man in black. I was the man in black by the man in black off of the man in black. 1971, Johnny Cash. <laughs> that was a heck of a sentence. Yeah. Well, I, I got all the prepositions wrong. That is man in black by the man in black off of man in black. 1970. Yeah, there you go. Um. So one of the things I want to point out uh, before we get to your take on the track is if you really go back and listen to um, his vocals, right? A lot of what we've heard so far has kind of been, uh, I want to say, shallow. There's certainly a little reverb, but it's usually in this case a natural reverb. Uh, not in this case, excuse me. It's usually a, a natural reverb. Um, doing reverb back in the day was a very interesting uh, endeavor because... You would take the vocal, um, what do you call it? The vocal signal, and you would send it through cables to a speaker in another room, and this room was called the uh, vocal, the uh, like an echo chamber, basically. And what it would do is it would pump out the sound into the room at a high volume, and then a microphone would re-record that and the room tone, 
and then it would come back to the console. So you'd have a reverb check because nowadays we're also, you know, the last, I don't know, geez, the last uh, 40 years or so, we've been very, uh, I don't know, babied because we all have all kinds of guitar pedals and stuff. We have reverb pedals. We have effects units. We have reverb units. There's, you know, entire companies dedicated to going and mapping out cathedrals and small homes and using the algorithms to create reverbs to mimic said room you want the Sistine Chapel well you can pay for that reverb and just plug it in Um, but back in the day you had to actually capture the room tone and stuff like that to get these reverbs so I bring this up because Man in Black if you listen to Johnny's voice is a very it's very big it's a very big um, reverb on it which I think is a great choice, right? The lyrical content's talking about him, you know, being the advocate for a lot of uh, people who go unheard. Um, and then there's that line where he says, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to wear a rainbow and tell everyone it's going to be okay, but I'll, for now, I'll do my part and I'll carry some of that darkness on my back, right? Those are like the last few lyrics. Um, but to create that larger-than-life persona, the man in black, right? I think it requires a bit of, you know, grandiose uh, sound. And so I think that's absolutely achieved here, right? Gorgeous song, fantastic message, wonderful lyrics, great storytelling, as always, because it's Johnny Cash. Um, yeah, that's, that's my, you know, take on that. Yeah, I can't say I have a whole lot to, to add to that. It's, um, it really seems like the kind of song I should have heard before. like i've heard of this song i've heard him referred to as the man in black and i'm completely unfamiliar with it uh no it was it it was uh it it was not quite the same kind of storytelling as boy named sue obviously but it's uh uh yeah it it seemed less it was it was interesting because it was less a i don't want to say less personal but like you know most of everything before has been like i had here's a thing that happened to me and i'm going to sing about why it makes me sad Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas this is more like a statement piece. Um, yeah. You know, it's more explanatory than uh, the other tunes so far. Uh, but again, you know, still still sticking with that formula, but also being a, a bit more of a uh, an evolution of it in, in certain ways. So, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, you know, to, to reiterate, it's it's way more of a protest song, and it's, it's way more like how, um, what's that song? We've got to get out of here. You know, if it's the last thing we do is a giant protest. It's a song of a generation, not just one person. Right. So I think, um, I think this is, this fits more in league with that idea. This is a song of the times as opposed to a song of the people or of the, of the person of the individual experience versus, you know, 1970s America widespread protests against the Vietnam war. Right. And, and, you know, those are lyrics, uh, those are reflected in the lyrics too. So, you know, I, I definitely get what you're saying, though, right? It doesn't it doesn't hit the same. Uh, what do you call it? It doesn't hit those same feels as the kids say. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, it, it garnered him. It, it cemented the moniker of man in black. Um, and from there on in, it's man in black. And that's all you ever see him in. <laughs> um, that being said, we're going to move on to this song. Is called uh, Tennessee Flat Top Box. This was one of his original recordings, uh, but it was re-recorded um, 
during his time at Mercury Records. It's called the Tennessee Flat Top Box 1988 version. Um, now, I chose this version because I actually really like this version a lot more than the original. Not to say that the original stinks. It doesn't. It's fantastic. But now we're getting into the 80s and recording in the 80s. And um, I guess it's an attempt at kind of either keeping Johnny relevant or maybe finding some new fans or something. Um, Tennessee Flat Top Box was originally released in 1961. It's a Johnny Cash track. I was written by him. The uh, B-side was Tall Man, which off the top of my head is not ringing any bells, but that's whatever. Um, it's another storytelling song, as Johnny is wanting. But this time it has that uh, 1980s country music sound to it. <laughs> I want to jokingly say, let's see if you hear the difference, <laughs> but I'm not gonna. I'm just going to let you uh, decide for yourself. Uh, one more time. Uh, Tennessee Flat Top Box, 1988 version, Johnny Cash. Enjoy. In a little cabaret in a South Texas border town Set a boy and his guitar And the people came from all around And all the girls from there to Austin we're slipping away from home and putting jewelry in pocket to take the trip to go and listen to the little dark-haired boy that played the Tennessee flat-top box and he would play. Fingers tapping toes and begging him don't stop and hypnotized and fascinated by the little dark haired boy that played the Tennessee flat top box and he would play. And they forgot him in the little town But all the girls still dreamed about him And hung around the cabaret Until the doors were locked And then one day on the hit parade Was a little dark-haired boy That played a Tennessee flat-top box And he would play
Fantasy Flat Top Box, the 1988 version by Johnny Cash. Uh, Chris, how'd that grab you? Um, it was another one that I had a hard time staying sucked in on the lyrics for. That plucking sound was very mm-hmm. mesmerizing, I guess is the word for it. <laughs> um, but I really liked the guitar lead uh, every time that he'd say that he, and, and he would play. Mm-hmm. I I just really really liked that riff. Every time it came on, I was like, "Yeah, that's nice. I like that." <laughs> I, <laughs> I love I all do... the things in the song. That's what stuck with me the most. But that was like, well, I really liked that riff. This is good. <laughs> to be fair, it is a song about a kid who plays guitar, and then he says, "The kid used to play," and then the guitar player plays. Like, yeah. I get it. It's, it's 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 almost an interactive uh, uh, storytelling moment. Um. So, you know, as you may or may not have guessed, it's a song about a kid who plays guitar, like I just said. And, you know, he's he's a nobody and he plays these local places and and he, you know, people instantaneously fall in love with him, especially the girls. And, um, you know, it's a story about a kid who all he wants to do is is play and making money really kind of is secondary. And then the fact that he disappears and then pops up on television is kind of this idea like the dream realized. Right. He gets. He gets what he wants. He just wants to play. So now he's just playing for more and more and more people. So, you know, it's very easy to sit there and go like, oh, he's singing about Elvis. He's singing about himself. But I think that's a common theme with a lot of musicians is like, you know, it's great to play for 5, 10, 15, 20 people who really appreciate you. But, you know, money doesn't hurt either. Hmm. Um, Funny, maybe not funny, maybe kind of um, endearing uh, note about this song. Um, In 1980... Seven. Uh, Johnny's daughter Rosanna Cash from his first marriage with uh, Vivian uh, Liberetto. Um, she went on to record this song. Uh, it was released in November 1987 uh, off the album uh, King's Record Shop, and it was the third single off that record, and it became a number one, another number one hit off that record for her. Right. Um, the f- the the thing is. Her husband at the time, Rodney Crowell, who's also a country, who was also a country singer, pushed her to do. It. He was like, "Oh, you should cover this song." The funniest part is, she didn't know that her father had actually wrote it, that Johnny Cash had written it. She just, according to the article, she assumed it was public domain. Um, now I'm going to quote the article. Johnny later told Rosanna that her success with this song was quote one of his greatest fulfillments. Um, the Rolling Stone Encyclopedia of Rock and Roll cited Rosanna's cover as a, quote, healing of her strained relationship with her dad. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I read that. I get all choked up. You know, he's, again, I don't want to go into the persona, the personality, the life of Johnny Cash. But, you know, like I said early on, like a lot of the artists at the time, he had very troubled uh, and, you know, sinned a lot. And so strained relationship is not a, a a very off thing. It happened a lot. You're on the road. You know, most people still weren't flying. You're driving around. So you're on the road, you know, 300 days out of the year. You don't see your family. Sure, you're making tons of money and everybody's living good. But what kind of relationships do you have? So I just think that's a beautiful kind of like come up and come around moment for, for that song. But um, But that being said, production value wise... It's certainly a 1988 country song. It the drums are more open, the guitar's a little more brighter. Um 
even still, Johnny's, you know, bass baritone still there. Um, I just, there's something about that version over the original that I think is just ding dang good. Um, yeah, so that being said, uh, next track we're going to do is another 1988, 1988 version. Uh, the song is Long Black Veil. Um, now, this goes back to the vein of um, Cry, 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 uh, Home of the Blues, and I Still Miss Someone. This one tells kind of a another story of love uh, and loss, but from a very different point of view. Um, this isn't a Johnny Cash original, however. This was written by um, Mary John Wilkin and Danny Dill. Uh, this was, a, if I'm not mistaken... Oh, no. Okay, yeah, it was. So this was originally recorded by a gentleman by the name of Lefty Frizzle, which <laughs> I, I, had to, I had to say that name because <laughs> when am I ever going to get to say Lefty Frizzle? <laughs> or Frizzle, I don't know. Either way. No, it's fantastic. Frizzle. I'm declaring it so. <laughs> All right, well, call up the Grand Ole Opry and let them know. Um, right. Uh, you know, I'm not going to babble on too much about this one. I'm actually going to let it rock. This is Long Black Veil, the 1998 version. It comes off of the Cash Collection of the Mercury Years, 1987 to 1991. Also, uh, Flat Top Box came off of that record, too. So, without further ado, here is Long Black Veil. On a cold, dark night Someone was killed Beneath the town hall lights There were few at the scene But they all agreed That the slayer ran Looked a lot like me Now she walks these hills In a long black veil She visits my grave when the night winds wail Nobody knows Nobody sees Nobody knows but me The scaffold was high Eternity near She stood in the crowd And shed not a tear but sometimes at night When the cold wind moans In a long black veil She cries o'er my bones Now she walks these hills In a long black veil She visits my grave When the night winds wave Nobody knows, nobody sees, nobody knows but me. The judge said, son, what is your alibi? If you were somewhere else, then you won't have to die. I spoke not a word, though it meant my life. I'd been in the arms. Of my best friend's wife Now she walks these hills In a long black veil She visits my grave When the night winds wave 
Nobody knows, nobody sees, nobody knows but me. Nobody knows, nobody sees, nobody knows but me. That was Long Black Veil, the 1998 version from Johnny Cash. 88 um, version, right? What did I just say? 98. Oh, my God. Sorry. 1988 version. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's tough. Someone's career spans 50 years. Right. Um, <laughs> But I got to be honest with you. This song really just hits me in the giblets. Like, <laughs> what an I expression. Just, <laughs> I just like the word giblets. Um, now, I I I gotta be very absolutely upfront. This song just hits me. It sucker punches me so hard every single time. Um, when I talk about Johnny Cash's ability to tell stories, like this is really like the song between this and and a boy named Sue, right? Uh, which you know wasn't his, but still, um, this song every single time will always get me. Just before tearing up, I didn't. There's something so, uh, like painfully romantic, you know, hopelessly forbidden. I just, and, and this version. So I chose the '88 version because I think the tone of recording, I think the tempo, little slower. I think his voice, if it's possible, is infinitely more somber. I think there's so much more emotion involved in this recording, in this version of the recording, that it blows the original out of the water um, by by leaps and bounds. Like, B5, you sunk my battleship, man. Um, I, I can't. If I keep talking about it, I might actually cry. Um, so I'm just going to throw it over to you, Chris. <laughs> uh, it was, um, I mean, obviously I don't, I don't think it affected me quite the, to the degree that it affects you, but it's, um, it was, I think by far the prettiest song we've listened to so mm-hmm. far. Like I was, uh, sitting there enjoying it and, and remarking on how, uh, really pretty this one is. Um, it's, uh, I, I, I guess I don't have uh, a, a ton to say about it, but it was a very, very, very pretty song. and. Uh, his voice was very genuine in this one, uh, which mm-hmm. his voice is pretty genuine in all the stuff that he does. Uh, you know, he's, he's got a very distinct thing, but it just it did did seem to have a bit more personal feeling in it than uh, I feel like the other ones did. Maybe a, I don't know if that's the I don't know if that's the right word, but it uh, it it felt like there was mm-hmm. a little bit more longing in his voice than usual. Uh, I, I really liked it. Yeah, you're you're definitely picking up um what I what I pick up. Um I know what you mean when you say more genuine. Not that he hasn't been genuine his entire career, right? But there's something more there's something more, period. Um just in my opinion, an absolute classic. Um so that's gonna take us to unfortunately the final phase of Johnny Cash's life and career. Uh and I'm talking about 
what would be called the American Recordings with um, Rick Rubin. Uh, at this point, Rick Rubin, you know, has long left Def Jam. He, he's just being Rick Rubin all over the place with his beard like Santa Claus. <laughs> and he's, he's just doing all kinds of weird Rick Rubin things. But, you know, one of the most prolific things he did was kind of pull Johnny out of retirement, so to speak. Uh, not self-induced retirement either. Um, and he sits him down and he tells him, like, look, man, let's let's do some stuff. I think you got a little left in the tank. Let's let's uh let's give these guys a one final one right um and so they end up recording if i'm not mistaken i want to i want to verify they end up recording something like one one two three four five six records together um now at this point a lot of it like i said earlier on is covers um very little brand new material but certainly a couple of uh johnny cash originals from throughout his career and uh what we're going to listen to uh now rather is a song called give my love to rose um i don't know if you guys can tell this but i kind of enjoy being a sad sack (laughs) there's something there's something very comforting i don't know if i took the nirvana lyric i i missed the comfort of being sad a little too seriously but um the combination of johnny cash's voice and his ability to tell stories is something that really hits home for me um you know it's a bullseye at a thousand yards away uh for me and this is another one of those songs that i just think oh god can you can you just pull my whole heart out of my chest cuz I can't I I I can't continue to feel like this. Um I I'm I'm going to shut the hell up. I I rambled way too much. This song's called Give My Love to Rose. Um it comes off of the uh American Four The Man Comes Around from 2002 and it is by none other than Johnny Cash. Enjoy. <laughs> I found him by the railroad track this morning I could see that he was nearly dead I knelt down beside him and I listened Just to hear the words the dying fella said He said they let me out of prison Out in Trisco For ten long years I paid for what I'd done I was trying to get back to Louisiana To see my rose and get to know my son Give my love to Rose, please won't you, mister Take her all my money, tell her buy some pretty clothes Tell my boy that daddy's so proud of him And don't forget 
to give my love to Rose Won't you tell him I said thanks for waiting for me Tell my boy to help his mom at home Tell my rose to try to find another Cause it ain't right that she should live alone Mister, here's the bag with all my money It won't last them long the way it goes God bless you for finding me this morning Now don't forget to give my love to Rose Give my love to Rose, please won't you mister Take her all my money Tell her buy some pretty clothes Tell my boy that daddy's so proud of him And don't forget to give my love to Rose That was Give My Love to Rose by Johnny Cash off of American for the man comes around. Uh, we'll start with you, Chris. Well, again, this is a, a definitely a very heartfelt sang song. Um, <clears throat> he sounds so much older. <laughs> it's, it, the, you hear just the the pronunciations of, of things. It was uh, one of the things that struck me. Was he, he just sounds so much older. But the um, this has been such an interesting ride because. You know, the recording quality is so high on this, right? It's 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 very clean sounding. It's very very honest and very uh, like that. That just the sound quality sounds so uh, personal and intimate, um, which is such an an interesting place to be considering where we started. Where um, you know, I don't want to say I don't want to say that it sounded generic, but it was like, mm-hmm. it de- definitely didn't feel this personal. Um, it was very, very again, again a very pretty song, even without the piano uh, added to it. Just like this is just, just right. It's just him and guitar, right? There wasn't anything else on here, right? It's a second guitar, but that's about it. Oh. And um, yeah, it's a very pretty song, very moving. Uh, I, I, I liked it. So I, I, you know, I, I want, I, I failed to mention up front that it's two thousand and two. Uh, you know, unbeknownst to anyone, Johnny's going to pass in, in about a year, less than a year, probably. Um, so, yeah, he's definitely at the end of his career. He's, he's an old man now. He's lived a hard, long life. And it's it's all there in his voice. Um, in the Monkees episode, you played that track from right, their yeah. the at the end of their career. And I had said, you know, I really enjoy hearing the difference from a young man to an old man and how. Uh, an older person's voice has completely different uh, tonal qualities and you know when done right and i hate i really hate to say it this way 
But when you have someone like a Rick Rubin kind of driving that bus, right? And he can see from on high everyone's strengths and weaknesses. And then he sees things from a different point of view. You know, he's able to sit down and say, here's what I envision. Do you trust me? Let's do this, right? Mm-hmm. And that was a big thing with um with Johnny and Rick Rubin was, you know, Johnny Cash didn't really have anything to prove to anyone else. And he probably would have been content just kind of living out his days on his um on his lakefront property or whatever. But Rick, uh, Rick had this gut feeling, and he took him out of his comfort zone a bit, and and he, like you said, it's it, the the recording feels very honest. Um, this was all recorded at Johnny's uh cabin, and uh, last night I was just kind of milling through some photos of it because I hadn't really. It's been a long, long time since I really did a deep dive with Johnny Cash, right? You know, you get you go through those ebbs and flows where you're like, I need to know everything, <laughs> um. So I was just looking at it and it's, it is a small, intimate wood covered place is exactly what you think. And, you know, they did a lot of stuff to keep Johnny comfortable, right? You can't imagine Johnny Cash is standing up in a sound booth, you know, at, at however old he was. Right. So, you know, you get a lot of photos of him, you know, sitting kind of in a big rocking chair with his glasses and his white hair and everyone's kind of around him. So it's just this interesting uh, imagery for me um again lyrically a fantastic story um that i i was reading a couple of things a little couple extra things and uh the 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 story from johnny cash is um he claims that a prisoner while uh from san quentin asked him to take a message to his wife had johnny ever gone through this prisoner's hometown and that conversation was kind of the inspiration for the lyric, uh, which is about the dying convict who was released after 10 years of imprisonment. Man's on his way to Louisiana from San Francisco. See his wife and child one last time before he dies. Um, unfortunately, the you know man doesn't make it there. Um, so, you know, as someone that fancies himself as an artist, inspiration comes from all kinds of places. And I'm... If that's really how it happened, I'm really, I'm really thankful that that interaction happened because I think this is a very, just beautifully somber, you know, aching song. Um, incidentally, uh, Johnny actually won a Grammy for this version of the song, which was originally recorded in 1950 something or other. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't know, but he won a Grammy in um, 2003. Huh. Yeah, I think so. So, you know, and and really this record too, um American 4 is where you get all the great later hits the man comes around. So, uh those songs are there. The man comes around. This has hurt on it. Uh Bridge Over Troubled Water with Fiona Apple. There these these American recordings have some very interesting personnel. There's one they do um Won't Back Down, Tom Petty's on it. It's such great stuff. Um, I'm so lonesome I can cry with Nick uh Nick Cave, duo with Nick Cave with the Hank Williams song. Just whew, Sam Hell. Sam Hall, excuse me. Sam Hall by Tex Ritter, great song. In My Life by the Beatles. I, I gotta stop. I'm <laughs> I'm just I'm trailing off here. All right. Um I hate to say it, but this brings us to our last um uh, song of the episode. And um this song was a massive hit for Johnny. Um, 
the the uh, downside to it was uh, the album was released. Uh, I want to say so. This song comes off of a 2006 release, and you're saying, but Matt, he passed away in 2003, and I'm saying you were absolutely correct. Johnny didn't actually get to see the success um, of this album. This album went number one, and it was his first number one record in 37 years. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it, it gives you a good idea of kind of how his popularity was up and down, and um, Honestly, how much death makes a difference in someone's career? <laughs> Someone, a musician passes away within that week, their record sales spike. It happened to Whitney Houston. It happened to Michael Jackson. It happened to whomever. You know what I mean? Um, this song is uh, my friend's ringtone <laughs> when he calls me. Is <laughs> uh, my best friend, and it's 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 my ringtone for him because it's just a song that he and I just connected with. Um, it's, it's called God's going to cut you down. Um, this is not a Johnny Cash original, uh, when looking for its credits, it just is credited to traditional. So it's just one of those songs, uh, you know, like, uh, keep on the sunny side, always on the sunny side, keep on the sunny side of life. Um, the video, well, we'll, you know what, we'll talk about the video afterwards. Um, right now the song is. God's going to cut you down. It comes off of America Five, American 5, 100 Highways, 2006. It's Johnny Cash. Enjoy. You can run on for a long time. Run on for a long time. Run on for a long time. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Go tell that long tongue liar. Go and tell that midnight rider. Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter. Tell him that God's gonna cut him down. Tell him that God's gonna cut him down. Well, my goodness gracious, let me tell you the news My head's been wet with the midnight dew I've been down on bended knee Talking to the man from Galilee He spoke to me with a voice so sweet I thought I heard the shuffle of angels sweet He called my name and my heart stood still When he said, John, go do my will Go tell that long-tongued liar Go and tell that midnight rider Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter Tell him that God's gonna cut him down Tell him that God's gonna cut him down You can run on for a long time Run on for a long time Run on for a long time Sooner or later gotta cut you down Sooner or later gotta cut you down Well you may throw you a rock Hide your hand Working in the dark against you fellow man But as sure as God made black and white What's done in the dark will be brought to the light You can run on for a long time Run on for a long time Run on for a long time Sooner or later gotta cut you down Sooner or later gotta cut you down 
Go tell that long-tongued liar Go and tell that midnight rider Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter Tell him that God's gonna cut you down Tell him that God's gonna cut you down Tell him that God's gonna cut you down God's Gonna Cut You Down by Johnny Cash off of the American Five, 100 Highways uh, recording. Um, you don't get a lot of songs that, you know, its percussion is just uh, stomps and claps. Obviously, the first one that comes to mind is We Will Rock You, but that's a very different song. <laughs> um, yeah. What I, I, I love that this is very much a church gospel hymnal, uh, you know, black church southern baptist kind of well um not baptist cuz they don't they're not allowed to dance but um you know it's very much that revival sound the stomp and the clap um you get the slide in there the uh the old i think it's a dobro if not it's a steel guitar uh, played with a slide it's even a jews harp hidden in there which is just the little doingy doing yeah 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 it's so interesting to me um yeah, 2006, right? This this, tra- this track just drops and just crushes me. And then the video, uh, the video, man. Video's all black and white. Cash is gone. It's three years gone. So what they did was they just got a ton of celebrities lip syncing in black and white doing just things, right? I think um, someone's driving a car and singing along. Uh you know, someone's crying, not even lip syncing. It's just, it's such a tremendous video. Like, I don't, I don't know if it's apparent, but I really listen to music with all of my heart and then some. And um, when things like this come along, I, I just, I just can't, <laughs> you know, I, I just can't uh, wrap my whole head around it for a long time. Get it? Um, <laughs> I was see not intended. Was not intentional. I promise you. Um, and I don't care how many times this song has been recorded before or after. This is the only version I know. Elvis at some point recorded the song called it, but under the title run on and, you know, Marilyn Manson did it at some point. I, I don't care who did it. God himself can come down and record it. It, does, it will not hold a candle to Johnny Cash's version. Um, now that I'm done gushing over it. Chris, what have you got to say? I knew this one. I have heard this before because it was freaking everywhere. This it's was true. This was uh this song was used a lot to give clout to things. Mm-hmm. Um and uh I, I feel like it was used in a lot of uh video game trailers. Absolutely of, was. Uh, like no, this is a, this is a serious game. Serious game for serious people. It's serious. See, we got this Johnny Cash song. It's serious. And and that's like uh, hearing this song divorced from that is like really just makes me even more angry at that stupid stuff because this is this is a fantastic track. It's you know, you've got the uh you can hear like his life experience in this performance, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you just this is such a, a a culmination of, and and I I heard it a bit in the last one, right? But the last one was such a a a, a smaller sounding, uh, intimate thing. This is um, this really dr- drove it home. Just the overall like, where he was in his ability to uh to to infuse emotion into uh his 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 singing. 
And uh, you mentioned uh, when you talked about you mentioned the Me and Magdalena song from the Monkeys episode. It's like that's mm-hmm. that's exactly that's exactly it. Like I was I was taken aback by how how old he sounded, but like not wasn't quite able to articulate it. It was like it wasn't necessarily just that he sounds old. It's like the not not to use it because it's such a, a jokey word, distinguished, but like mm-hmm. it's seasoned. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's that's kind of where this really. Uh, culminates in you also mentioned the whole like stomp clap thing there was a whole like that became a genre for like a week i think like 10 years ago (laughs) (laughs) and this is just like you're thinking back to that and like comparing the hits of that whole stomp clap genre compared to something like this which is just like knocking it out of the ballpark uh top to bottom like this this is a fantastic song great great song to end it on um and also very glad to finally have heard this divorced from it being used to commercialize things and make them sound more important and serious than they are because um that 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 kind of cheapens the song you know when it's it's used when, when it's when it's overly commercialized like that um whereas this right here just taken on its own as its own thing uh pretty pretty gosh dang good it's a very very effective very very good song it's funny because i'm uh glancing at um the wikipedia for this and it says uh you know it does this thing it's johnny cash singles chronology chronology right and what came out before this was his cover of hurt and i thought nothing nothing was gonna top that and then three years later this comes out and it's like oh i was wrong um yeah, I'm with you. I don't like the commercialization of this. I'm I'm reading some of the stuff where like it appears and there's a lot of <laughs> relief pictures for the MLB that come out to this song and like really you think you're god, you're going to cut down all these play Come on now, stop. <laughs> you know. Yeah. This appeared in a bunch of Battlefield Splinter Cell. Um it was in a Jeep Grand Cherokee commercial. It was also in a Frostpunk trailer. So, I mean, like, look, it's a freaking fantastic song. There's no question about it, right? Um, I like what you were saying that gives things gravitas. Like, like you need to pay attention to this because we have Johnny Cash singing about God coming to cut you down, you liar. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Well, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um. But there's there's that line in there. Um, you may throw your rock, you may hide your hand, uh, working in the dark against your fellow man. But you know what's done in the dark shall be brought to the light. Like I get those are biblical verses and and references because again, Johnny was very much about a man of faith. Um, I believe there was a moment too where he and June uh, became born again. Um, so as you said, it's a culmination. It's a culmination of a career and a life well lived, right? very you know it's that it's that um old leather chair that's just so comfortable it's cracked and it's faded but it's so comfortable right um you mentioned the uh the seasoned voice it's seasoned from experience it's every word there has a a me a a feeling and an experience behind it it's you know to to have these american recordings um like if i ever saw rick rubin i'd like high five him just because like (laughs) you know i I have to say, as a fan of Johnny Cash, like to do that, to go around one more time and get these just these wonderful, beautiful, intimate 
um, songs, right? We had this weird trajectory, right? Johnny's with the Tennessee two or three, depending on the um, the lineup. And it's just four guys in a studio, one microphone, right? Then you get into his middle career, and and now you're multi-tracking with horn sections and backing vocals and you know other in- extra instruments, pianos and harpsichords and all kinds of stuff. So you get these bigger, these more robust pieces, and then you get into that third phase now where you wind back down, you almost end up where you started. It's just the technology is better, and you can get these way more intimate-sounding um, recordings, as you pointed out on something like give my love to rose and um you know again separating the artist from the art right the trajectory of his of his career and and the just the sonic nature of everything just one of my favorite um careers to kind of go through from start to finish um just i don't know that's why i think that's why it makes him one of my my all-time faves like he's definitely on my mount rushmore of uh musicians but that Mount Rushmore is very eclectic and strange, and <laughs> as we continue with this show, you'll you'll see that. So, um, yeah, I I I really really appreciate you taking the journey with me because Johnny Cash is so very important to me, um, and I'm glad that you've had the experience that you have had. Um, I guess do you have any final words about uh, what we've done today? <laughs> so uh, it's to speak? it's been an interesting ride. It's um. I don't think I'm ever going to be like a, a, a proper fan, like uh, mm-hmm. sim- similar with you and the monkeys, but it's, it, it's, it was an eye opening experience to listen to this music the way that we did, because it, it's, it all, a lot of it just, I, I think of Johnny Cash music, music, and it kind of has this samey thing, right? It sounds the same to me. And um, it all just kind of floats right in there in my head and bounces around and then leaves. Um, but bring really force forcing myself to sit and actually listen to it. And, uh, it became very easy to appreciate uh, how, how good it is, is at, at, how good it is at what it is. <laughs> Goodness. That was a hard sentence to say. <laughs> uh, it was, uh, I, it's, it is a very new level of appreciation for, uh, for, for Johnny Cash's music. And, um, while it, you know, not everything that we uh, introduce each other to is going to be our style. It's of course, it's um, it's really good to have that kind of appreciation for like I have a much better understanding of why people like uh, this music uh, than I did before because it's it's um, I think a lot of it did come from my perceptions of uh, Johnny Cash's music came from that uh that last song that we listened to and how uh, commercialized it was and how it's like mm-hmm. it's 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 illusion of depth it's not depth it's just illusion of depth it's like oh it's it's johnny cash man it's cool it's manly it's awesome it's yes and like and i i just listen to it and just immediately tune out and um get, get getting to understand the uh the depth that is actually there instead of the fake depth that uh you know the commercialization has made me assume was there um was a very interesting eye-opening experience and i'm glad to have had it um i have an appreciation for johnny cash's music that i did not have before this morning so to that i say thank you oh i i really appreciate that i'm glad i can uh, do that uh i don't i don't want to ramble on any longer but i want to you you said the illusion of depth and how johnny cash is a manly thing right i think all too often there are a lot of people that like something because the populace either all likes it or tells you to like it. And then I think 
the very interesting thing about Johnny Cash is that, yes, the mythos, the man, the myth, the legend, the man in black, Johnny Cash, definitely comes across as a man's man, the way people look at John Wayne as a man's man, right? But when you really look at Johnny Cash, right, almost every single one of his songs has got to do with an emotion of some sort that these manly men, these alpha, quote-unquote alpha men, might actually not know how to experience and not know how to talk about. Yeah, and not how to ex- express. Correct. And I think that is just amazing because I've met Johnny Cash fans, and I'm not saying all of them, and I think this goes for everyone too. You, you've met a fan of a band that you absolutely love and you feel like, I am on a level with this band that, uh, you know, some people might not be. And it becomes very apparent when you talk to them. I know that there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of, unfortunately, there's a lot of merchandise. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I'll be the first one to admit I own both Johnny Cash uh, Funko Pops. But, <laughs> you know, I think I think I've may have earned that because um, no, now I'm going to make myself pompous where I'm going to say something like, I get Johnny Cash. <laughs> and that's just absolutely arrogant. Um, I just think that there's a much deeper takeaway that a lot of people miss. And I'm, I'm so glad that, and I understand that I don't mean this many, by any stretch of the imagination, that you came into it maybe with some of that and you're walking out of it saying, Oh, it's not like that at all. Oh, yeah. Actually- I, I had preconceived notions of what this was. And yep. although, although I did go in with uh, a sense of like, well, my preconceived notions are probably wrong because mm-hmm. I have such respect for your taste in music and you are wow. putting this on the pedestal. You're, you're putting this up, the, up there for us to listen to. It's like, all right, so there's, there's something here that I don't get. So um, yeah. I, I did have the, <laughs> the benefit of going into, going into it to, to, with that mindset. But yeah, I definitely... Uh, Went in with a, a preconceived notion and came out with a different. At last thing, and I, I promise this last thing, what you just said is exactly how I came into the episode with the monkeys, <laughs> right? If, if you guys haven't listened to that, go back to that, and I'll, you know, you'll hear me him and haw about the monkeys, and then you'll see what happens at the end of it. So I think, Chris, I got to be honest with you, I think this, the experiment's going well. <laughs> yeah, I, gotta, <laughs> I, I agree. It is, it is going quite well. Uh, all right. That's, uh, so that's our show. Um, I want to thank you guys for joining us, Chris. As always, a thank you for being just a, an amazing person and a, co- a great co-host. Um, of course, now I forget how we do this. Uh, oh yeah, okay. Um, join us next time as uh, Chris has his choice. So as always, Chris, what are we going to be listening to uh, next episode? All right. So uh, my we're 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 at the point right now where we're we're getting through most of our like. These are the, this this is the music that defines me, right? I've got I've got mm-hmm. uh, Fountains of Wayne, Dispatch, The Monkeys. There are a few other bands that that truly define me, but there's a band that I've been listening to a whole lot lately. Uh, they're one of my favorites. They're not like the seminal, like this defines my musical taste kind of things, like the last ones were. They're just a band that I really freaking like. Um, and this band is called the Push Stars. Um. Mm. They have never quite hit mainstream popularity. Uh, they flirted with it a handful of times, but they never hit that like, oh yeah, I know those guys. They just never got that far, which um, has always 
fascinated me because I, I just think they're fantastic. They're one of my favorites, and uh, I can't wait to share their music with you. I can safely say I have never heard of this band before, and I can also safely say I'm very excited. Outstanding. Well, uh, we here at Turning Tracks are incredibly grateful to everyone who listens, and we love communicating with you any way we can. And we have a couple ways that we can do this. There's the Discord channel, uh, excuse me, there's the Geek Aid Discord channel in which we have a Turning Tracks chat where we hope to discuss all manner of stuff relating to music and whatever our next episodes are going to be. And of course, you can always still send us an email at mail at geekaid.com. Uh, and while you're at it, Check out all of our other social media channels, which you should like, follow, and subscribe to if you haven't done it already. Turning Tracks and other Geek Aid podcasts are made possible thanks to the Geek Aid Patreon page. Their patrons can get access to a monthly podcast topic, a recording schedule, and get early access to most of Geek Aid shows, including this one and more. If you've enjoyed our podcast over the years, follow the link in the description and give it a look. We genuinely appreciate it. And finally, as always, be sure to check out all the other great content we have over at our site at geekade.com. Um, we always leave the show with an outro and several episodes we've done dedications. Uh, I think, Chris, I'm going to keep that going. Every final song I'm going to dedicate to someone or something. Um, the final song we're going to play you out with is called Like the 309. It comes off of American 5, 100 Highways from 2006. This song is the last known song to be written originally by Johnny Cash. It was the last song he wrote uh, while with us. It is, however, not the last song he recorded. That was a Chris Christopherson song who he was great friends with uh, <laughs> and also formed the Highwaymen. Who I'm named after. Are you really? That's why my name's spelled with a K. My parents thought it looked neat. <laughs> <laughs> that's fascinating that's so awesome all right well we're gonna have to talk more about that um <laughs> there's that's all there is to it <laughs> there, oh, okay. it's not like they're big chris christopherson fans they saw a movie with him and it's like yeah let's do that <laughs> i wonder if it was um was a star is born with the barbara streisand it was like his hugest <laughs> movie ever no it was blade it had to be blade Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> plays whistler anyway this is um this is the last song ever written by johnny cash it was the second to last song to be recorded by johnny cash um and i said i'm going to dedicate it so i'm dedicating this song to the rebel in all of us um and to those of us who understand the importance of an irish goodbye it should be a while before i see dr death so it would sure be nice if I could get my breath Well, I'm not the crying Nor the whining kind Till I hear the whistle Of the 309 Of the 309 Of the 309 Put me in my box On the 309 Take me to the depot, put me to bed, blow an electric fan on my gnarly old head. Everybody take a look, see I'm doing fine. Then load my box on the 309, on the 309, on the 309. Put me in my box. On the 309 
Hey, sweet baby, kiss me hard. Draw my bathwater, sweep my yard. Give a drink of my wine to my Jersey cow. I wouldn't give a hoot in hell for my journey now on the 309. On the 309 I hear the sound of a railroad train The whistle blows and I'm gone again It will take me higher than a Georgia pine Stand back children, it's a 309 It's a 309 It's a 309 Put me in my box on a 309. A chicken in the pot. And turkey and the corn Ain't felt this good Since Jubilee morn Talk about luck Well I got mine Asthma coming down Like a 309 <sighs> Write me a letter Sing me a song Tell me all about it What I did wrong Meanwhile I We'll be doing fine Then load my box On the 309 On the 309 On the 309 Gonna get out of here On the 309 